0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of PBK Perspectives. I'm very excited today to bring on the man that's probably has the title for the most aesthetic Instagram account for the Catholics. Um, You might know him as a Jewish Catholic, um, but I have on a a, a man that uh, is is very interesting, a Jewish Catholic that lives in Tokyo. I've been very curious for a very long time about this guy's story. We're all going to find out together today. Daniel, thanks for coming on the show, man.
1: Hey, Michael! Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here at your channel. I've been watching a little bit of your stuff, and I know that this is going to be a great conversation. So let's do it.
0: It is. It is, and I think it's good. You know, I think you've been kind of warming up, getting back into the YouTube stuff. Maybe this interview can help you. You know, continue doing that. Um, and it, I'll have uh, information to Daniel's channel and everything down below. His Instagram account um we got to support each other he's got some great stuff a lot of great insight um but i'll let you kind of continue to share that first one as i told you before and as everyone knows who watches this i love an icebreaker right like i just want to get to know you a little bit let's let everyone else get to know you and i asked you about like some of your interests and stuff and i was just having a hard time man and then i was like you know what this guy lives in japan right we all love we all love we all love some japanese food could you just could you just walk me through just your favorite meal. You're just going out, you know, you and the wife or whatever. And yep. you're just looking for that, that meal that's just going to really do it for you. You know, what what is that meal? Yeah.
1: Man, to be honest with you, when I came over here, I came with that mentality of a foreigner. So I'm like, ah, sushi. To be yeah. honest with you, I've had it a handful of times while I've been here over half a decade. The food that I like the most is actually called yakimiku, which is it's like a grilling uh scenario where you grill your own meat Mm. and it's so different from what i'm used to in the states before coming to japan Mm. i lived in texas for a while Mm. and i'm used to those big steaks and brisket and stuff like that over here Mm. everything is thinly sliced small pieces because everything in japan is like a smaller portion so yakiniku is that it's like you're grilling your own meat they give you like these endless bowls of rice and soup and salad. And I know that to many people, that might not sound like very Japanese of a meal, mm-hmm. but it really is. And it's it's those meats that a lot of people might've heard of, like wagyu. You've heard of mm-hmm. wagyu before, right? Of course. Stuff like that. So those kind of meats, it's amazing. It's so delicious. And I know this one place that my wife and I always go to, it's called Kintan. So if you ever come to Japan, check that one out.
0: Okay. All right. I like that. No, I just recently a couple of weeks ago was visiting back home in California, um, and we went to a hot pot. Me, and my friend. That was really that was really awesome. Um, and then nice. of, of course the classic Korean barbecue. Right, you do a little bit of your own cooking as well, and that's a yeah. that's yeah. some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to. You know, I don't want to make it my personality, but I, I like food a lot, man. And I like to I like to get out okay. there into the different cultures. You know what I mean? Okay. Sure. So. I want to get into your background a little bit maybe about your conversion story. I know you didn't you came into the church pretty recently, I believe. Um, yeah, so explain good. explain to us this this Jewish Catholic in Tokyo. Uh, just unravel <laughs> that for all of us.
1: Sure. So I mean that's that's two different things, the whole Tokyo aspect of it and then the Jewish Catholic. Uh, I have spoken about my story before, but just to give you a a smaller version of it. It essentially goes like this. My family's heritage is Jewish because if you trace back enough, you can trace our family all the way to the kingdom of Yehuda or the kingdom of Judah. Um, and then from there, the Jewish diaspora. So those are the Jews that went to uh, out of Israel. But my particular class of Jew, if you will, is the Sephardic Jews, which are the ones that are in the northern side of Africa and Spain, France a little bit as well. From there, they move to the Americas, start losing the faith. They still believe in God, but they don't really believe anything. Then my family moves to New York, and they become Christian, but Pentecostal Christian, so Protestant Mm. Pentecostal. Uh, That's where I was born in New York, another brother of mine, and we moved to Puerto Rico, then back to New York, and then to Maine, and then I went to Jersey for college, and then to Texas, and I kept moving all around. When I moved out to college uh, for myself, I was about 17 years old. I'm a little bit earlier than most of the other students because I started school earlier. Um, but when I went in into that college phase, I was broke as pretty much every other college student is in the world. No money. So I ended up working in these We Buy Gold shops. You've heard of them, right? We (laughs) Buy Gold. Yeah, (laughs) They're everywhere. So while I was working in one of those shops, I was so broke that I was working in a back – no, I was living in a back room in that same shop. So it was grimy. You could hear the mice climbing all over the ceiling. Uh, It was filled with equipment all over the place. It was just terrible. So I I was naturally questioning my whole life. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I I started questioning several things. I started questioning things about myself, uh, my heritage, and that's where I really started to connect into my Jewish roots, understanding that that's where my family comes from, Um, but also religiously, you know, asking the big questions. Is there such a thing as a God? Who is the right God? What about the right religion? So it took me through this process of basically just asking a bunch of deep questions, and not being scared to to really ask those questions that make me change things that I do. And as I started researching, I used several criterion to verify the, the reality of the things that I was looking at. So I'm talking about uh, things that align historically, scientifically, philosophically, and all of these different areas to see where the truth lies. And easily, there were some things that I could just scrap off, like, okay, this is a myth, this is not true, there's no evidence for this, easily started scrapping all of these different religions, and then I ended up with this one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I knew from then that, okay, this is the right God, what about the Bible? So I started questioning the Bible, is this true? And then I noticed that there were several things that were off compared to what I was living, primarily the concept of sola fide, which is by faith alone basically living that lifestyle of Christianity that doesn't necessarily demand you to follow the commandments, right? The commandments are secondary. But when I started studying the scriptures and I would look at things that, like for example the book of James, that it says that we do not live by faith alone, I was like, wait a second, I thought it was faith alone. What does the Bible say? The complete opposite of that. So. It got me to, okay, if this is wrong and I am supposed to be obeying commandments, then what else could be wrong? That led me into embracing my Jewish my Jewish roots and also keeping the commandments. So that naturally led me into the world of uh, Messianic Judaism and uh, Hebrew roots. And I don't know if you're familiar with those groups?
0: Uh, a little. I heard you talk about it in your last video a little
1: bit. Okay. So basically what it is is... Uh, I'm still believing in Jesus, Yeshua, as the Messiah, but also keeping the Mosaic, Mosaic uh, commandments to the best of my ability. Of course, there's no temple, there's no sacrificial system, there's no priesthood, I'm not in the land. There's a lot of things that are different, but you you do what you can with the commandments that you see in Scripture, in the Torah, in the Torah. The issue then later came with, um, if, if this is what I'm supposed to do, obey the commandments, what about when it comes to not understanding the commandments fully, there has to be more than just scripture. So that led me into the whole uh, oral Torah, where the rabbis would give you explanations and give you more rules, if you will, as to how to properly obey commandments. And then that led me into the authority issue. Okay, which rabbi do I listen to? Because one rabbi says this, the other one says that. And even in really important Jewish writings like the Talmud, you would see that there's these arguments between the rabbis. says, Rabbi Shimon says this, but Rabbi Akiva says this. So there was always this debate that always happened. So naturally, I said, if I'm supposed to follow the direction of the rabbis, and I don't know which one, then I'm still in a pickle. But during that time, slowly, slowly, I, I started diving deeper into Judaism, and I ended up essentially living just like an orthodox jew so i was following the rabbis but i still maintained yeshua because i could not shake away the reality of jesus being the messiah i had debates with many people i had arguments with many people i did a lot of research and there was just no way to deny the the fact that jesus was who he said he was and who scripture claims he is but then um as I started struggling with the issue of authority, I wanted to know why, uh, why the Christians of way back when were living different and how were they living different. And then, lo and behold, I ended up discovering that that continuation from Temple Judaism continued into Christianity, but not any branch of Christianity It was Catholicism, and it freaked me out at first because of the fact that it looked so Catholic when they were talking about the Eucharist, the reality of who is Jesus in the Eucharist, the sacrificial aspect of that. Um, Then I saw this whole apostolic succession thing, which looked so similar to what I already knew in the Jewish world. Little by little, as I tried to debunk the church during that time, I ended up becoming Catholic. And like you said, I just recently became Catholic officially. Uh, which was this past uh, Easter vigil. That's when I was baptized, confirmed, and had my first communion. It was an amazing time. And during the time before I even became Catholic, since I started to see the things line up, I told God, God, if this is really, really true, if what the church is saying is true and what it teaches is true, I'm going to devote myself fully to it, and I'm going to go full force. Prior to all of this, I was running another YouTube channel. It was called Messianic Me TV, where I shared my faith as a Messianic Jew. But since I had promised God that if he proved to me that this was real, I was going to go full force, I slowly started changing everything into the Jewish Catholic. And that's how I became the Jewish Catholic. So now, still loving my Jewish roots, I share the Jewish roots of the faith. I walk as a Jew in, in a cultural sense. Like I still eat foods that I would eat in the Jewish world. or celebrate things like Hanukkah, which I know is debatable for a lot of people. I made a video on that if you ever want to see it. Um, But all of what I practice is based on the Catholic faith. Nothing that I do will deny Yeshua's messiahship or his lordship and nothing that I do contradicts the teaching of the church. Anything that I retain from my Jewishness, if you will, is purely cultural and is used in a way to amplify the Catholic faith. So from that that's where you get the jewish catholic the tokyo part is it was just a childhood dream i always wanted to be here you know by the grace of god it happened and now i'm here married two kids my boy is 2 years old and my daughter is 1 year old oh and my wife is japanese obviously and that's pretty much it that's where i am now
0: wow well, i mean geez, there's so much okay i i do want to get a little bit uh the timeline of it right cuz you started out sure. asking the big questions as uh, in college and early on in college. And then we're talking basically 14, 15 years until you really become Catholic or on, on, on the Easter vigil. So, um, like what is going on in between all those years? I mean, obviously you're doing the research, right? You're asking those questions, which is good. But like, you know, are you like a college kid? Like that? You're that one kid at the party that's, you know, trying to have the deep, philosophical conversations over there in the corner. Like what is, what is that time in between really like?
1: Well, to be honest with you during college, I wasn't social. I never went to parties. I, I know I I'm super weird in this aspect, but like I mentioned before, because my family brought me up in Protestant, um, Pentecostalism, I was not in the party scene. Mm -hmm. What I did do a lot of was hanging out with the youth of that church. And I used to play the drums in that church. Uh, I used to be the leader for the young people as well. Not uh, not for a while, actually. It was somebody else that was the main leader, but I was one of the leaders in the youth. Um, so that was really what took a lot of my time. And it was crazy because during this time as I was learning all these things, like, man, we're doing all these things. And every time that I'm singing, because I was part of that worship team, if you will, I'm thinking... and. Real quick, just a pause. What I'm about to say now is nothing against the people that were in that church. Uh, nothing against anybody that practices any other form of Christianity. I'm just telling you my experience and how I felt during that time. I was questioning a lot of things because when I would sing the songs that we would sing, it was all about me, essentially like my seizing and God blessing me and all these good Mm. things that were coming and these promises, which I get it. God does promise things to his people, but it became in my mind something so self-centered. And I'm like, what about worshiping God just because he's God? Mm. And all of these things really bothered me internally. and And I felt almost hypocritical singing these things while in the other side, I was doing all these deep questions Um, And I remember I started talking to some of the youth, uh, but then the pastor from the church said, you're not allowed to talk to anybody about these things. He took me off from all forms of ministry that I was in. He said, you cannot be the music leader for the youth. You cannot be in this. You cannot be in that. Um, (laughs) I guess it's the equivalent of being laicized, um, (laughs) but but not even, not even close, but, uh, you you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. And the worst part of it all was the fact that he didn't even let me ask questions. I remember one time he wanted to have a meeting, uh, so that we can converse about all these things. And immediately the things that him and his wife said is we know exactly what you're, what you're thinking. We know what you're believing in. telling you this is wrong i don't want you talking to anybody about these things is this is not where you need to be uh and you're gonna regret it it was a harder thing to face because i love these these people and i love the faith and i thought that they loved the truth and that they didn't mind questions but that made me all the more suspicious because as i was learning during this time in my life If something is true, you should be able to scrutinize it, and it remains true. Otherwise, if it's not true and you scrutinize it, then you will find out if it's false. So it really bothered me, uh, but that's what I was doing. I was just during this time, there was a lot of struggle, so I wasn't in the party scene. I wasn't really hanging out much except for with those people because they were my friends. Um, But I really felt like an outcast, and I remember very vividly thinking... I'm like a leopard, like I like sores all over my skin. People see me. And I remember I would go to other church events and people knew what was going on with me. And they would say, I remember this lady, she came to me. She's like, hey, I see you in a dream. I had a dream where I saw you riding a horse, but the horse was running backwards, telling us that you are I, going backwards into something that is wrong. You need to repent. You have no idea how many times many people came to me with that kind of mentality. Wow. So yeah, it was crazy. It was wow. really tough. It was like emotionally, it was just something where I felt really, really alone. So
0: Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Okay. Um Yeah, there's 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 so much there. I think I have a I have a two part question. Okay. So but Go ahead. what are some of the as you're kinda of going through this sort of journey and I know I think like the idea of Catholicism from a Protestant Uh, background is always sort of like a don't go there you know like that's that's the line that's like too far for a lot of people right Mm -hmm. and so I'm kind of curious there could be that but like what are some things and it could be Marian theology or whatever it may be right or papal authority things like that what are some of those things that were really difficult in really trying to accept the faith and then now that you've been a little bit uh Catholic for a little bit, what, a year and a half now. What are some of the things that have been difficult like as a Catholic living out your faith?
1: Mm, Great questions. For the first, you mentioned papal authority and all of these other, other things. To be honest with you, almost all the teachings of the church lined up so perfectly that I didn't really struggle with them. And that's actually why I was so convinced about the faith. When I looked at Well, it took me looking really into the ancient Jewish roots of the faith to understand that Catholicism is the proper, true, natural continuation of all of it. Um, You've probably heard me speak about it and other people as well, talking about the fact that, there is this character that we see in the Old Testament scriptures known as the Stuart. that um, You get this example from Eliakim and Shevna that you see in, in the book of Isaiah chapter 22, where it's basically the papacy foretold or like the foreshadow of the papacy. We see how the scriptures talk about it throughout time. So I didn't really struggle with almost anything, specifically when it came to things like the authority, when it came to the oral tradition or sacred tradition and scripture obviously this is something that i already maintained so the trifecta of the church i already kind of easily believed the thing that really really bothered me and that was really the struggle was the marian doctrines and not because they didn't make sense logically because again looking through typology looking through the ancient jewish roots of the faith it really started to make sense and things were clicking like her being the queen, which makes sense if Yeshua is the king, or her being the Ark of the Covenant, when you can see the perfect parallel between the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6 and the first book of Luke, I mean the first chapter of Luke. So all of these things were really lining up the typology and all that. So logically, mentally, it made sense, but not in my heart. And that's really what made it the most difficult thing for me to deal with. So. It took me really just going to God himself directly and saying, God, everything in the church seems to line up. And I can even see how these Marian doctrines really do make sense. But I don't feel it. You have always given me the grace that I can I can sense when something is true, but I'm, I'm, it's not clicking here. So if this is true, if what the church is saying is true, you need to make me feel it in my heart and understand it and believe it solidly. And then that's when my relationship with Our Lady started to develop, uh, so much so that to the point that I am now, I am now officially consecrated to Our Lady as a slave and a child of Mary. So this is something that I'm really passionate about because it was really, really, truly a struggle. And it's like a complete uh, 180 from where I was. Now, that was me coming into Catholicism. I think the hardest thing now has been Uh, The misunderstanding that a lot of Catholics seem to have in regards to who I am, what I speak about, what I believe and practice. Because there seems to have been this animosity between the Jewish world and the Christian world, specifically the Catholic world, for a very long time. People think of things like the Inquisition and the Crusades. People think about um, the things that have happened throughout history. and there's just this sense of negativity, people not communicating. Um, So when people look at me, for example, just give you a real life example, people look at me and they think that I'm a uh, Judaizer, for example, because of the fact that I talk about the Jewish roots of the faith, or because I maintain some cultural aspects of my Jewish background. So I get a lot of people from the Catholic world attacking me, uh, calling me different types of names, and I see a lack of charity in the words. But I also get the attack from other sides, like from Protestants for the fact that I'm Catholic or from Jews because I accept Jesus as the Messiah. So I guess the attacks, now that I think about it, I never really thought about this, but this is kind of like the whole journey, how it has been. Uh, Like I mentioned before, when I was living in the Protestant world and learning about these things, I felt like alone right everybody else thought that i was wrong and now it's the same thing and i never realized that until literally this moment talking to you which is like this perpetual everybody thinking that you're wrong Mm. but the more i analyze the situation the more i understand that everybody just needs prayer and everybody has an issue with their own life and whenever people speak negatively negatively to you is usually because there's something there's something in their lives that they're really struggling with and they see no other avenue than to retaliate against someone who thinks differently than they do. So I think that would be the biggest struggle now. It's just the the attacks that constantly come through. But I'm, I'm dealing with that way better than I did back then because now I look at it as, I offer this up to Christ and it's, It counts for something. It's real. It's valuable. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's let's say on that. I like that one because I recently I recently put out a a clip, right? And okay, and people gotta understand, like when you're doing you know social media and podcasts and all this stuff, and I got thirty minutes of podcast stuff, right? And then because of Instagram, the way everyone's mind works, I got to get the, the hottest 35 seconds I can put together, okay? And now yeah. the first 10 seconds might be from the very beginning of the podcast, and the last 10 seconds yeah. might be from this end of the podcast. I just want to put a cohesive yeah. sentence in that makes you get your attention, okay? So our last podcast, we were talking about a Miguel Pro, right? What an awesome human being and a witness for all of us. And so I was, I've been going through this thing where I, I was like, for a long time, I've been slowly coming to uh, really just being a very regularly TLM attendee, okay? And so I went to Franciscan University, as many of the people already know, very charismatic um, university. I'm not really just, this is not really my thing. I think it's always kind of made me a little bit more uncomfortable to feel like, I never really liked when a priest or a or youth group leader tried to like tell me how to pray, tell me to sort of open my hands or just do some of the things I was like, you know, I was doing really good, you know, I'm a regular high school kid, I don't really want to be here, I'm finally starting to open up, and then now someone's telling me how to pray, you know what I mean, like, that's the kind of stuff that would irritate me a little bit, so, and then high school, I really got into, uh, sort of politics, right, becoming just a conservative, as I recognized that the people around me were uh, losing their minds, and, because I was, like, in high school during 2016 election, so, like, that was, like, a really hot time, right, and so, um, Anyways, I kind of started becoming more and more just traditional, which I don't really like, like we're Catholic, like we are traditional, but you know what I mean in that sense of like being more of a traditional Catholic. And then, um, so I really got into it, right? And I read like Taylor Marshall's Infiltration, I'm listening to a bunch of his podcasts and stuff like that. This is like a, you know, a couple years ago, a few years ago, and just educating myself, you know, then I'm reading Bishop Athanasius Snyder and some other people. And I wouldn't say it's something that, you know, overcame me, but... When I'm when presented with a choice, 9 out of 10 times, I'm going to go to TLM, right? That's just the one that's completely evolved how I look at my faith, how I look at the Mass. Um, and just makes me very much look forward to going to Mass each time, which is obviously not the point. I'm not like 12. I don't, I don't need that necessarily, but yeah, I really much enjoy it. And so we're going through. I'm just saying that to provide a little bit of context. So now we're at this point, and I would find myself just getting a little bit irritated, right, with some things at, at Novus Ordo just like... I still can't get past why we'd move the altar from the tabernacle. And this is not a discussion on that, but just little things that would kind of irritate me. And then I think, well, you're at mass. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. the sacrifice of God is present and you're over here complaining in your mind about the altar and the tabernacle or like Karen doing being extraordinary minister or whatever is going on. You know what I mean? I was kind of just yeah, getting tired you. of it in my mind. And I'm like, okay. So then we're doing this podcast on Blessing my GoPro. And here's a guy who was basically underground doing all the things that he could do, could die at any moment just to get people Eucharist, just to go do confession. And then so I'm in this, I'm just kind of having this self-realization in the podcast. I'm just like, hey, man, we get in a lot of these liturgy battles and liturgy is important or every liturgy is so important, man. I can't stress it enough. But then I know people like, I don't know if you know who um, Bob Lesniewski is who started Vagabond. And they have all all these missionaries going to the inner city of some of the worst parts that all of us would skip out on, man. We're not even going to go touch those neighborhoods. But these kids are meeting them where they're at. Not even in the fact that, oh, let's go get this kid baptized. But this kid needs a friend. No one's looked at them and saw them as a human person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so then I'm going... Here's Blessed Miguel Poe. Here's people like Vagabond Missionaries. And here I am getting irritated about whatever Father's got going on at his parish. And I was just like, yeah. man, I feel like we got to really focus on the things that we're dying for, the people that are next to us, the community, seeing people yeah. as, as human beings, our family, um, so many yeah. things. And, you know, you're fully aware of all the problems that we have in America. And mm-hmm. so that was my point in the video, right? That's a long way to say yeah. that. And then I get all these comments from the angry trads per usual that are just like, oh, the liturgy is something to die for, and all this kind of stuff. And this guy will start like yeah. cussing at me. I'm not going to let some twenty year old tell me. I'm just like, what is happening, man? And I'm I'm a very yeah. non-confrontational person, okay. And I don't really feel the need to debate in comments. Where is that going to go? If you want to call me and have a yeah. conversation, do it. I don't really care to yeah. like have those kind of debates. But it is something that's frustrating, even in your perspective, right? You're somebody who's obviously yeah. doing a lot of great stuff, and when people don't completely understand the context. We all want to become the the online theologians and dictators of, of free speech or whatever the hell they're trying to be. And it is frustrating, dude. It is frustrating because it can take your peace, I think, a lot of it. And then yeah. you look at people who are looking at the Catholic faith. They may already think that a lot of things Pope Francis has done is sus or maybe they think um, the red shoes that the Pope wears is some sort of symbology for the devil or whatever, whatever they got in their head and then they just go ahead onto one catholic instagram post and look at the comments and they're like what is this yep. what kind of faith is that you know what i mean so yes. i'm glad you brought that up cuz i guess it was just opportunity for me to rant but i completely understand that piece <laughs> of of um of of a difficulty of being catholic so i don't know if you have anything else to add to that
1: but well no i i completely agree that it's it's something that is tough it's tough for uh, a lot of us where we are trying to personally show the beauty of Catholicism, show how great and how true it is, but then we're in here fighting amongst ourselves over silly things and things that are not so silly as well, like the liturgy. And, you know, I think I have a, a very passionate view about this because of the fact that coming in, again, from a Jewish background, I love tradition, I love reverence, I love... um symbolism and ceremony and i love the physical aspects of the faith and that's why i love for example the architecture of a beautiful church the incense that burns in a church the instruments the music that plays all of it and as you mentioned before in my instagram i really care about aesthetics because i believe that beauty is a really powerful avenue into the gospels and into the reality of christ so It matters to me. However, I've been put in a very peculiar situation because even though I'm so passionate about these things, I live in Japan, which means that really my only option for where I go to Mass is Novus Ordo. I don't have traditional Latin Mass except for this one Latin Mass that will be available. uh, And I think it used to be available a while back before I became Catholic. Uh, for a little bit and in, in somebody's house, I think they did it. But now there's going to be one Mass, literally one Mass. Not every Sunday, every month, literally just one. This coming Sunday. That's it. So everybody that's complaining like, oh, this isn't that, it makes me feel like, man, you should be grateful that you even got an option. Mm. I have no option, except for this mm. one that will be, uh, and I had to sign up and all of these things. So yeah, it's it's important to care about the liturgy. But more important to care about the reverence. And why does it even matter? Because it's bringing us closer to Christ. And at the end, if we're over here caring so much about, you know, the bells and whistle whistles and the smokes and whatever, and we're forgetting about what we're really doing, and we're cussing out other Catholics like you experienced, or people calling you random names like they do to me, then what's the point? You're not showing any love. And people will hide under the... Under the guise of, oh, this is righteous anger. No, it's not. It's pride. You're prideful and you just want to hide under this pretense of being a holy person. Pretending that you care so much about liturgy. But in reality, you're just looking for something to claim as yours. And you mm. want to be part of this victim mentality. And going into this whole conservative thing. I'm sorry. Now I'm getting into a rant. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned about like... uh How you got into politics, right? And one of the things that I loved about the conservative movement is that it talks so much about, you know, let's get away from the victim mentality. Let's Mm -hmm. let's fight to be better versions of ourselves and really fight for what we want and not play the victim card all the time. But I feel that it's a really, it's really a balance because here we are as Catholics claiming to be traditionalists and conservatives. And all of a sudden, when something starts happening to the liturgy, we become the victims. Oh, they're taking the liturgy away from us. Oh, they're taking this from us. Okay, so now we're being the victims again. It's, you you got to keep that balance. Yes, it's great to be reverent. Yes, the liturgy is so important. We're not saying that it's not. But if you are forgetting the other more important parts of the law, love, mercy, compassion, then everything else is completely worthless. Don't forget that Jesus Christ himself spoke that way to remind us what really matters at the end of it all. Anyway, that was my rant to your rant. <laughs> yes. Uh, no,
0: it was good, though. There might be a few clips in there that I don't have to pull from each side of the podcast. I can just let that one go. But um, <laughs> I, I did, I did want to just end with this one because I think it was my parents who brought it up, but how the devil will just use anything but God, right? That's it. You can go ahead and worship the the liturgy, which is, you know, not the end. It's a means and all this stuff. He can use anything, right? Like the devil appeared as Our Lady, as angels to Padre Pio. I mean, imagine being able to try to decipher that one, right? I mean, that's, (laughs) but he will use anything to get you away from God. So I think that's an important thing to do. All right, here's a good one. Here's one that I've been really actually excited to talk to you about. Because your last podcast, you're kind of saying, uh, or last video you did, On YouTube you're talking about hey here's gonna be the direction for the Jewish Catholic channel Um, you talked a lot about um, I think you know a little bit about aesthetics how to yeah maybe you know make your home a little nice or maybe dress a little properly or whatever it may be but a big emphasis that you had on was authentic masculinity right that's a big buzzword in Catholicism right now every man feels a need because there is a need for every man to step up and talk about an act in authentic masculinity And then you brought up Andrew Tate. Okay. Um, Andrew Tate's massive right now. I must say, um, I like a lot of what he says. I do. I think that uh, obviously he's, he's got a little bit of the truth or maybe half the truth or maybe three quarters, whatever it is, he's got some truth and he's, speaking to a lot of kids who are just doing this all day and then they get them to not stop on a girl dancing they're stopping on a man talking about take some responsibility great things right like i got some friends most of my friends aren't catholic i've never really had a lot of like catholic friends but i got i got a a good friend of mine who's in arizona and he he loves what uh, andrew tate has to say and i'm like okay that's one step closer to the truth but as you said in your last video and as we should be as catholics aware of if you've listened to andrew tate I've listened to a few podcasts, kind of accidentally, like a year ago, actually. And uh, yeah, he says some things that aren't, aren't super great, right? I mean, he made one comment. Uh, He's asking, hey, do you have uh, babies with multiple women? He said, well, yeah, nine months takes too long. I just blah, 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 said this thing. Just, you know, classic. It's sort of like the Trump thing, right, where you like say a lot of great stuff, and you're like, why did you need to say that? Or the Kanye issue, yep. say a lot of great stuff, then you say something stupid. It's just the classic yep. with some of these guys. So I want to pose it to you this way. I feel like we could be going in circles with this, and what I mean by that is that we sort of had like we might be getting back almost into like this nineteen forties fifties man thing, right? Which is not necessarily like, oh, I'm I'm the man of the house because I'm willing to die for my children and my wife, and I'm going to be the man that's on the cross, and and you know the 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 classic St. Paul stuff and all that Ephesians, and it was more of like, I'm the man, I do this, you're the woman, you do this okay and I, and I feel like Andrew Tate we might be if we kind of keep on this path and we forget the sacrificial part between the man and the woman and we forget the cross and the church, we might just get back to that point again and that's the reason why we have the feminist outbursts and outrage is because we didn't have men who were willing to sacrifice. We had men who did want to be, and I didn't live in the 1950s. I'm not trying to be this guy that's like going to have this revisionist history thing. I'm just saying, overall, it seemed like that attitude, and that's what happens, uh, the attitude of sort of like, do this, don't really question it, I'm the man right. Every 50s movie that we've ever seen, all the Italian ones, the man's all got mistresses, the woman's stuck at home, she's all pissed because dad's half mob guy, half cheater whatever it is so like that stuff right there it kind of worries me a little bit and, I don't, and I'll pose it I don't want to keep rambling but what I see this being present in um, I took a pol- political philosophy course back at Franciscan and it really changed the way I thought about everything uh, people who influence sort of founding followers whatever we say is like you know John Locke Hobbes, Rousseau um, not so much Rousseau that's more like French Revolution whatever but these are sort of like what this professor is saying, that these are evolutions all the way till Marx and Nietzsche, right? And so what happens is you have Locke, who's a Christian, and he makes his state of nature, which is really just his version of Genesis. I'm going to say how government came to be. Well, we had all these things, blah, blah, blah. We were kind of fighting each other. Government came in to give us each our own right to property. There we go. So God's not really involved in our state of nature. All that really matters is sort of this right to property, right? That's where we get the sort of, where we supposed to have the pursuit of happiness was really right to property, but then supposedly right to property meant slave, so we didn't want to put that in there, regardless, whatever. We move on to Hobbes. Everyone's in constant fighting with each other, right? They're just trying to get after each other. The government's there to ensure that we don't do that. Let's put laws into place so that we're not killing each other. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Rousseau's in this weird sort of sexual monkey stuff that he has. Like, we're all just these weird people that just want to do weird things all the time. And government's there to almost like do away with it to get us back to our primal times of just being these weird creatures. And then all of them, were slowly taking away God, right? And you could see in the progression that things are getting less and less moral. It's just more about getting back to some sort of primal state. And then you have Marx who says, oh, there's no God, progressive history, right? We're going to get back to this whole point of essentially, uh, eventually to Nietzsche that God is dead. So we started out with Christians who just said, "Oh, just this, this is a thought experiment. It's just a thought exercise. Let's just take God out. And we'll say governments here for right to property." What we get to all the way is God is dead by Nietzsche, and the only way that you can survive is being the most powerful man. So what I'm trying to say and how I'm trying to draw that in together is that when you have 1940s and 50s who don't want the cross and they don't look at the church, I mean the relationship and the way that we view Jesus and the church. And then you start getting the feminist outrage and then now we're back at Andrew again, right? And that's Mm -hmm. masculinity without the cross. And so it's not necessarily a a question, I guess, but it's something that I think is worth discussing. And I guess a little bit of your thoughts on this sort of circular thing that it seems like we're going on.
1: Yeah. Well, this this is very similar to what I just stated in regards to the whole traditionalist movement and conservatism, which is... If you, if you let that pendulum swing too far to either side, it's extreme. And that is the issue. And that's what happens we don't, when we don't have a proper view of what our goal is, what is the end of everything. But what does Paul tell us? He says that the goal of the law was Christ. And so is that for everything. Everything that we must do, everything that we interact with, whether it be your marriage, whether it be your vocation as a priest, whether it be even your secular job, everything that you do, the end, the goal, the point, and the purpose is Christ. And if that's not it, then everything else will fall by the wayside. So when when it comes to, you know, whether it be government or masculinity, Without Christ, it it's a bootleg version. And as you stated in regards to Andrew Tate, yeah, he does say a lot of things that are true. But it reminds me of the saying that with a spoonful of sugar, the medicine goes down. And that's the reality of what we're facing here, where he's saying all these good things that make men who are tired of this outrageous feminism that has been outpoured in society, they're, they're like, yeah, yeah, we need this. That's right. We need to wake up. We need to be men. We need to be more masculine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they're, along with that reality, taking in these teachings that are really detrimental to their character, to their spirituality, and they completely blot out Christ. And one perfect example that's not even that deep is the reality that Andrew Tate now considers himself Muslim, which. Uh, if you listen to his arguments as to why he did so, uh, he talks about the fact that uh, in Christianity, God is so weak, is mm. effeminate. It, there's no, no substance to him because the way Christians live, mm. which reminds me of the reality that you do not judge God by his followers. You see who he is and we're broken. And the reality is we all need God. But the issue is this. Now, with somebody who's out there speaking some facts, some truths, some young person that doesn't know anything is going to be like, ah, well, if he's right about this and he's right about that, then maybe he's right about Islam. And that's what I should be pursuing. Mm. So when you have these big voices speaking some truths with a bunch of lies, Mm. you're only going to get confusion. So this is why I felt that I needed to mention that 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 was going to be part of the direction that I wanted to take the channel in because... It's so important for us and even you in your podcast, working you know, with the brothers and your pops, you, you want to be pushing that forward too, even if it's not so direct, the fact that the end of everything needs to be Christ. If we don't, we're lost. Yeah,
0: yeah, completely agree. Okay, I think this is a good segue. Uh, I think this might be sort of the last topic of the, uh, of the interview. So we're talking about manhood. Um, and something that I've always been big on, I feel like, um, I feel like this always comes up in every other podcast or interview and I'm like more passionate about it than everyone else's, you know? So it gets kind of weird, but the importance of, we can talk about aesthetics for sure. Uh, I'm somebody that was very much into it. I'm trying to cut back. There's a, there's a wise man that once said, don't get lost in the sauce. And there's a lot of times I get lost in the sauce, dude, like the vibes are like priority number one. It's like, dude. Just stop it. You know what I mean. It's it's, just, it's hard though. It's hard, man. The vibes are addicting sometimes, and uh, I, you know, I've gone through this whole thing um, of just like trying to be very minimalist as much as I can. If it's not getting worn in my closet, it's got to go. I only I only rotate between like three shoes now, which I'm really I'm really pumped about. You know what I mean? Like a little good job, we're going the right way, that kind of stuff. Okay, so we can talk about aesthetics. I know you talked about you're uh, very interested in like weightlifting and stuff um at some i've probably been working out consistently since like 16 i was a basketball player a lot blah, blah blah me and my family were all into working out and then so one of the reasons that like we i wanted to do ministry or whatever it is that i'm doing right now is as i was telling you before and the viewers know like to be able to show what a um normal guy could do, right? The fact that we don't have to lose ourselves when we become Catholic. You don't become just automatically weird. Unfortunately, if you're weird yeah. before you become Catholic, you're still weird. It doesn't there's no like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? If you're normal before and then you become Catholic, you just stay normal for the most part. So
1: yeah.
0: like I think we should just talk about a little bit like the importance of a well-rounded man. I think that's one of the yeah. things at least that maybe people can take from uh from Tate and this is not supposed to be an intra mm-hmm. Tate episode, but just this idea of like you know, taking responsibility, the classic J- Jordan Peterson, right? Taking responsibility. Go, you know, move some weights or just being active in general because it's like, yeah. I-, I follow a few of these accounts. What's this guy's name? Card norvius Aurelius, something like that. It's just like, this I've guy's like 500. 500- yeah, he's like 500,000 uh, followers on Instagram. Talks a lot about eating steaks and all this kind of stuff and whatever. Yep, and yep. then he'll make these kind of sort of mean things, right? Where it's like, yep. um, just... Juxtaposing the absolute effeminacy of men today, of like Snapchatting saying where you at, and then like the depth of what a man used to have to do to like hunt a lion to, in order to imp- like impress a woman, right? And so yeah. I'm glad that's one of the trends that seems to be happening. Um, just the importance of where it be fitness or defending yourself, I don't know, just not being a wimp is, is, is a good thing in general, yeah. and then also, um, The the reading and all that kind of stuff, obviously, right? And then I think a little bit about dressing yourself properly, right? Like no one wants to see your your basketball shorts down your ankles with your uh, Adidas slides and whatever else you got going on. Your graphic tee from seven years ago, you still you wash maybe once a month. Like it's just, you know what I mean? That's like I I try, I really try, dude. I try not to like do that because I can get really irritated, and I'm like, dude, relax, bro. You know what I mean? Like it. They yeah. don't know, man. Take it easy. But part of it that's is true. it can be it can be frustrating. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, dude, what happened to us, bro? You know what happened to us? Yes. I watch these videos, yeah. and I'm like, not that we should try to be in all three piece suits because that's when we get weird as Catholics. We're like, no, sure. we should just sure. live in the 1940s. Don't do that. Live in 2023. <laughs> but mm-hmm. just you know, carry yourself like. properly. You know, have a little have a little yeah. collar every now and then, and tuck in your shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't wear. Yeah. Just. Sloppy stuff, whatever. I don't know. I'll let you go. I keep rambling, man.
1: (laughs) No, I feel you, and I'm and I'm glad that you're passionate about this being whole, rounded. Uh, I think that's the reality, and it goes back again to the balance. So I think in a lot of what we've spoken about, balance is key of what we're talking about. You don't have to be extreme. You don't have to be C-bum. You know who C-bum is? Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So you don't have to be (laughs) C-bum. but don't be some scrawny dude that when you know you need to change a tire you can't even you know turn the knots on the car you can't do anything don't be uh, a slob but also you don't have to be rocking the three-piece suit every day mm-hmm. and it reminds me actually of the post that i made that um uh, in the post i i wear a suit and i talk about the fact that we dress up for the king because we're we're king's men, right? We're mm-hmm. men that belong to the king of kings. So in in that post, so many men, men, not the women, the women loved it. They were like, yes, this is what I want. My husband dresses up or I want my husband to dress up. Oh yeah, th- my cousin does this. My, blah. And I'm like, okay, the women love it. That's great. And the men were like, how can you expect everyone to be dressing up, blah, blah, blah. And i like, dude, to read the caption and like my whole point was do your best that's it you don't have to be an extremist you don't have to be rocking three-piece suits and thousand dollar suits every day but you can't tell me that you can't dress better or that you can't exercise a little bit you don't even have to go to the gym run go do some push-ups some sit-ups just the whole point of it is just to improve who you are And the reason why, again, we we were talking earlier about the means or not the means, the ends of it all. What's the point? Why Why do we even have to do all of these things? And it goes back to Christ. As representatives of Christ, there is a way that we should carry ourselves. Look at Tate's argument as to why he decided not to be a Christian. He didn't say that Jesus isn't real. He didn't say that he doesn't believe in the incarnation or that he doesn't believe in the ascension or anything related to theology. He speaks about the weakness of the representatives, the appearance of the representatives, the Christians, us. So it does matter. You don't have to be an extremist about it, but do better. So in every aspect, I think it's really important to have this balance of, you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't treat it like trash. Don't dress it like trash. Don't don't put it in places where it shouldn't be. Like don't go to the club every night doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing and then being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I need to go to the confessional now because I jacked up. And I've been in situations where I've jacked up a lot, like really bad. I've really messed up. And every guy out there has. But what will tend to happen more and more is if you do Don't try to be a better version of yourself. You're going to find yourself struggling a lot more. But if you replace those poor habits with better habits, you start to notice you become more confident. You become stronger. You become wiser. You become a better example and a better representative of the faith. And that is the point that if we truly are servants of Christ, if we we really belong to the kingdom of God, There has to be a standard, and that standard is being sacrificial, like you mentioned. You need to, you know, put down the donut. It doesn't mean you can never eat a donut, but if that's all you're eating, then you need to put that donut down and find something better to eat. If you're finding yourself sitting in the couch or in your your super expensive gaming chair for hours on end, instead of reading a book, then maybe you might want to put that game down for an hour or so so that you can read a book. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just little things. You don't have to be weird about anything. You don't have to be an extremist. Like, I get it. I get it. Some people look at these influencers online, like these guys that I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. These videos, like the morning routine videos where (laughs) they like waking up at 4 in the morning, making their smoothies and, Mm -hmm. you know, exercising and all that, reading a book and journaling and doing their Instagram post and editing. And you're like, dude, I have like 30 minutes in the morning. I can't do all of that. Be real, man. That's IG. That's not real. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you can't do better. It doesn't mean you can't make your bed in the morning. You know, Just implement little things to make your life better, little by little, take it step by step. You don't have to jump into these extreme assumptions that you're going to be, you know, James Bond next week. But little by little, you dress better. You start changing out your old graphic t shirts that you have from seven years ago for a nice button up. (sighs) Things like that. Just step by step, becoming a better version of yourself.
0: Yeah, I see people hiding a lot between, and I don't mean to like be rude uh, or like call people out, but I know like. Matt Frad talked a lot about wanting to work out and like doesn't. and Once again, you don't have to work out, dude. Like that's not, yeah. that's not necessarily the point. But I think some people like point to like the vanity of people in the gym and then use that as an excuse that, oh, I don't want to. And it's like, mm, okay, I guess. Once again, you don't have to, but so, but it's like you said, like there's a difference between worshiping your body and then actually just trying to be a better man. Like we're talking about, right? okay um yeah so i think it's like you're saying the balance of everything and just being a good man and what that entails and i see this so someone brought this up to me once right they're like hey nobody's a mormon because of their theology it's not true nobody's like uh my own planet sick Or like, oh, those glasses (laughs) seem super legit, right? Those glasses that somehow people from Jesus' time just landed in New York and Joseph Smith happened to find them or whatever it was. It's just like nobody says like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. What they see. Just go ahead. Everyone close your eyes. Think of a Mormon. I think of a pretty, you know cool person probably, you know, I don't really think of, I think of someone that's maybe a little charming even, or whatever it may be. Obviously, usually white, I mean, so there's that, but there's, you know, other, other characteristics as well, <laughs> and so it's going back to this Andrew Tate point, right, like if we all thought about, okay, like what do we picture as a Muslim, and then let's all picture a Catholic. Now, people who are Catholic, we might think, oh, Scott Hahn and some of these awesome people. Yeah, I bet yeah. you other people don't do that, though. What other people nope, see It's very unattractive, older, probably i don't like he's probably uh caucasian male older 50s whatever white hair he's got his belly you know what i mean he's got his belly out and he's got his his suit he got in 2002 that's just still rocking with him and uh and we don't have we shouldn't do things and i don't think what either of us are saying obviously is like oh do this so more people become attracted to the faith but it's something worth i think thinking about a little bit right is like we should at least somehow stand out like in, in, in some way, dude. And it's not once yeah, can again. Can I like, cut you off? Yeah, yeah, please, please.
1: Just real quick. What you just said reminded me so much of this conversation that I saw with Matt Fratt and uh, Michael Knowles. Mm. Where they're talking about the, the book, you know, uh, how some people say you should never judge a book by its cover. But they're like, no, actually, you should judge a book by its cover. Because the reality is this. When you meet somebody, you don't know everything about them the only thing you have to go by is what you see and naturally if you see somebody who's a slob and who doesn't care about anything you're going to assume that there's something lacking in their life such as discipline for example or a care for their appearance so there there is a truth to the fact that you know we we're being judged and there's an image that people create in their mind Because this is how we navigate. We are visual creatures. And we navigate this world by our sight. So, for example, if you're going uh, on a walk and you see this super sketchy looking road where, you know, there's tires that are there, a crashed car that's full of rust. And, you know, these trees that are all bent and creepy Mm. like and you see like Mm. an owl versus you see like this beautiful road with nice green pine trees and whatever. Which road would you really go down? or which one would you think is the safest one to go down it's natural human instinct mm-hmm. to judge by the appearance of something so in this case this is what you reminded me of which is that conversation you know we do have to care to some degree nobody is saying be obsessive nobody's saying go to the extreme nobody said this is about vanity this is about the reality that we live in a physical world where visuals do matter and how you interact, how you act, how you talk, do matter.
0: Yeah, and, and then I'll I'll I won't try to ramble on this too long, but it's also like mm. okay, let's let if we think about Islam, right? And I see a lot of especially like black celebrities being drawn to this idea of Islam, yeah. and it's because it's like, no, you pray five times a day, you do actually have to fast. Like we we can't, uh, I'm not trying to get on this too much, but I'm just saying, like when you talk about and Catholics talk about fasting so much and you look around, and just to be nice, you don't see a lot of fasting, as we could say, especially in America, right, it's like, well, that guy probably isn't fasting too much, whatever it may be, like, it's just hard to, like, we should think about it in that way, and then here, I'll appeal to the younger people, and I've seen a couple of reels about this, which is just awesome, like, there's this whole new counterculture thing, which is, like, you know, guys and these girls, and they'll try to, like, show them, oh, like, what are you going to say to her, and he's like, what's your favorite Bible verse, and she's like, John 3.16, he's like, what does it say? She's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't need you. You yeah. need God, and walks away. That's the new counterculture. Like, that's what we should look yeah. at. It's going to be, like, good-looking guys who take care of themselves or women who know how to dress properly and are modest. And they're not weird, dude. They're not, being, they're not doing the whole, like, grandpa hat and, like, a pipe at, like, 16, trying to, you know what I mean, do the Chesterton thing. Yeah. They're just normal people, yeah. man. They're normal yeah. people. They're not afraid to go out and speak. They're not going to be hiding in their rooms on Minecraft or anything. Like yep. if, if you take anything out of this, it's it may be appeal to appeal to be part of the counterculture. Like I literally just saw this uh, Rogan clip. I'll stop talking about it after this. This Rogan clip. And I don't know who his guest was. But this guy was like, dude, being a blue haired, you know, piercings like crazy. This that's not that's not the counterculture anymore. He literally said, and I don't think this guy. I don't Catholic. know if he's some religious guy. Yeah, he's like being some Catholic Opus Dei singing the rosaries, the words that he used, is now the counterculture. So it's like, I think we should take it in that piece and just saying, like, how can I be a leader and a witness? And a lot of times, like you're saying, right, it isn't just like, hey, have you heard about the, the good news? It's not necessarily that. Sometimes it's just the way that you walk. You'd be going to a gym, and maybe you're not somebody who's got only his nipples covered and he's just in the mirror you know what i mean doing that stuff <laughs> and maybe you're just a guy who like you you could tell is a fit man who carries himself yeah. properly who's not like wrapping yeah. into his airpods he's just being a normal guy maybe that's enough to be like hey dude like this guy's gonna be, you want to work out sometime the people can sense yeah. that right and i think that's all that we're saying yep. like carrying yourself matters okay yeah. enough yeah. of our of our uh whatever that was <laughs> rant <laughs> We'll end, I think we'll end with, I always like doing uh, a little bit of just sort of like final words, a little bit of advice for our listeners, right? Now, I've said this multiple times. I think I'm sort of delusional on who our audience is. I actually don't know at all. I would like assume that it's like younger Catholics. I just don't know if that's the case. So Mm -hmm. just coming from you, obviously, you can only speak from your perspective because you're you, Um, you know, you're, you're a younger guy, you know, you're married, you got a couple kids um, and I think you're doing a, a a good job of sort of like fighting the fight in midst of what I could already imagine a lot of toxic Catholic stuff around you, and uh, you know being just a well-rounded man. So I just want to give you some final words, whether it's advice to the youth, whatever you want it to be. Maybe it's advice to people aspiring for the marriage vocation, or maybe husbands. Yeah young like me that are going to be a father hopefully soon or whatever. i just let you take yeah. the floor, final words.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the big message for me from what I have learned in my experience is you don't have to do what the world asks you to do. You don't have to live by anyone's expectations because you will realize as you start going through life, you're going to have a big shift in priorities. I will tell you this that when I became a father and I saw my my son walking for the first time or when he first asked me a question, a super simple question, and I could start to have conversations with him, like that's the stuff that mattered to me more than anything else. So while we're talking about all the things we've mentioned in this podcast, you will notice that, you know, through life, you are going to have an evolution of yourself, of your mentality. So wherever you are now, whatever you think is important, realize that you're going to keep growing, developing, and things are going to change. Embrace it and don't think you need to be living by the world's standard. The main thing, the only thing that matters is keeping Christ in the midst, in the middle as your focus of everything. If you do that, you will do well for yourself. That's it.
0: I love it. I love it. I'm going to give some advice too. I'm going to act like you asked me for some advice and I'm going to share it with everybody. Yeah. Give, give me some advice, man. I need it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's join the counterculture, dude. I, I get so tired, man. I've had a lot of comments about getting married young. I got married at 20 years old. Dude, if you found the, if you find the one, don't be a, you know what I mean? And just do this stuff, bro. Figure it out. Guess what, dude? You're never going to be ready yeah in this age, none of us are ever gonna get a house, probably. An apartment's gonna be just wasting all this money. We're all gonna have to go through it. We all have debt. You're never gonna be ready, dude. Just it's about just like just taking it on and realizing that what the most important part is experiencing that hardship that you're about to go through. Because I like... I I unfortunately watch way too much like dating reality shows, okay? I'm just going to say it, Daniel. I'm not proud of it, and I do. But I'm so tired of seeing these grown men are 31 years old talking about, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know why she's giving me an ultimatum. You don't know why you're... You don't know why she's giving you ultimatum you're 31 you've been dating four and a half years you don't know why she's giving you an ultimatum it just like takes yep. me off and now obviously yeah. none of those guys are watching this podcast so there's no use in getting mad at, at uh, the poor <laughs> <laughs> the poor you know yeah. lovely gentlemen and ladies that are watching this but that's all i say is like join the counterculture man like we're we're taking things back dude i, I think i think we're in yes. a, a good time uh, i'm excited about where we're heading i usually tend to be pessimistic but I think I'm excited, dude. I think we're all here for a reason. I think I'm, I get excited yep. talking to people like you, Daniel, and seeing um, just, there's a, there, I think there's something coming, you know what I mean? And uh, sure. regardless of all the stuff that's happening around us, all we can do is like be the men and women God asks us to be, right? Or calls us to be. So um, with that, guys, if you made it this far, I doubt it, but thanks for watching. Appreciate it. Uh, subscribe. I'm going to have, like I said, I'm going to have all of Daniel's stuff down below in description, check him out. Um, I think you also do, you have a rosary, right? With, uh, was it a Catholic woodworker? Is that his name? Yeah, so Let's this plug it, rosary we'll plug it right here.
1: Yeah, show it up. Yo, yeah, for sure, for sure. So if you go to my Instagram on the bio, you will see a, a link to this rosary right here. Everything in it has a meaning. I have a highlight on my Instagram that you can check out to understand why I designed it this way along with the Catholic woodworker. It's amazing, it's masculine, it's strong. It's beautiful aesthetic, of course. Uh, I get absolutely nothing from it. Literally, there's no... I, I, I just messaged him and I, and I said, hey, man, I really want to design a rosary and I want to have people that can access your stuff because you make awesome things and people always ask me about my rosary. So let's design one together. Got this. And the, the whole point of it is just to make something awesome, beautiful, strong, masculine, so that you want to use it. And I carry it with me everywhere I go. It's an amazing tool. And I, every Catholic out there needs to be carrying a rosary wherever they go. So check it out if you're interested.
0: Check that out. Check out his Instagram. I see a lot of weird oh – gosh, man, I'm going back on this. I just see a lot of weird folks, man. They have pictures of, like, kittens, and it's, like, fall, seven followers following 6,342. I'm just like, dude, what are these weird bots, man? So check out Jan, Daniel's IG for some inspiration. <laughs> on you know what I mean yeah. just you know as, as we're on this thing of sort of attracting yeah. and beauty and goodness and truth and all that kind of stuff maybe check out Daniel's IG it could help you out I don't know maybe or, or just delete hey. the account either one those are both good options <laughs> but um, with that Yo. guys you know whatever thanks I appreciate it uh, make sure you guys check us out or blaze um, and is there anything else I want to say I don't think so man hey I, I dropped a sorrows crew neck uh, it's pretty cool unfortunately daniel's in japan i only do shipping in the in the u.s because it's easier that way Um, but we might have to swing something we'll see anyways check out Sarah's if you're interested um if anyone's there comment check us out hopefully i got daniel like two more followers or whatever uh from this thing but regardless guys thank you we'll catch you on the next one um god's peace